0: said Amos, but is there more to the unseen realm than that? Scripture alludes to a divine council, sons of God, and other confusing concepts. And why do you just skim over these scriptures? I was a PhD student in biblical Hebrew studies. I had read every word in scripture, but I had never seen it. One Sunday morning a colleague of mine handed me a Hebrew Bible open to Psalm 2. And say, so here, read this closely. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. God, in the midst of our gods, has sounded heretical at first. But this concept showed up in Genesis, Deuteronomy, the Gospels, in revelation, I discovered it in the words of trusted scholars. I just couldn't ignore it. What is the unseen realm? Could understanding bring light like to confusing passages? Could it clarify some unclear concepts in the Bible? And even help us understand Jesus' mission better? These questions fueled a 15-year journey into researching what the ancient Israelites believed about the unseen realm.
1: I like to think of it this way. If we had an ancient Israelite sitting with us here in the room, and we asked each other and we asked that fellow, what does this or that passage mean? How do you read it? What goes off in your head when you read these words? His answer is going to be a lot different than what our answer would be, especially when we're in some text that we think is really strange or odd because of the supernatural presuppositions
0: behind them. And that's what I want to be used to get. Scholars, because of the rationalistic Western mindset, are detached from talking about these things and tend either not to see them or tend to try and play them down or are not sure what to do with them. I just think of Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, where on the eve before uh, the death of the firstborn, God announces to Israel, on this night, I will have victory over the gods of Egypt. God's there is being used to refer to the spiritual powers that are supportive of Egypt. They are real. Uh, they're not God like Yahweh. They're not his peers. God created them too. And elsewhere, we might use the language of angel or demon. What this email does help understand that the world of Scripture is a real world, and it gives us a way to bring these together under the rubric of a God who's creating a spiritual realm as well as a physical realm. Michael's done a wonderful job in terms of communicating his message in a very interesting way. You will be able to put the book down once you pick it up.
1: they are making a, a proposition regarding the spiritual realm in the,
0: the spiritual reality that often I think we miss because of our secular
1: rest, rest perspective, right? How do you really believe that there are spiritual beings in this room right This building that uh, no, Levi and I, we came in here and we prayed uh, quite often in the sanctuary. But we also, I think, had additional meeting where people came and prayed, and we prayed for the Spirit of God to be in here and for the demonic forces to leave. Specifically, demonic forces related to division. Okay, division and real stuff, real stuff. and he's it, it, so correct when he says the was that there is this spiritual world. There is this spiritual reality. And as I say up there, we live in a reality that is the of both physical and spiritual beings, those who submit to God and His authority, and those who have rebelled against Him. This is what the Scriptures teach. Do you really believe it? I was with my friend, uh, I was a pastor of a large church, big church up in uh, Minnesota. You know, one of the things we talked about was this topic, because he's getting a Ph.D. in uh, in the occult. He's getting it from a Christian institution, Southern Seminary. And uh, he's been spending a little bit of time, and he's a good, solid guy, so he knows exactly what he's having to deal with. But he's gone into, you know, uh, met with some of the Wiccan leaders. You know, wicked is a Satanism. It's it's not, what is Satanism? It's Wicca it really is. It's just dealing with the black arts. Earth, wind, fire, water, okay? I mean, uh, but it's all very real. He said something I was thinking, it was fascinating. He says that they will, that uh, witches attend political events simply to be there to pray. They're praying for an outcome. That's your prayer level. You have an active prayer according to what my friends said. But he said this, and this is the saddest thing to me. He's a pastor of a big church. He says, the typical Christian is a deist. They don't really believe in prayer. When we pray, we believe that God hears and that God acts. We believe in the power of God. We believe in his sovereignty over this universe. You really believe in the physical and spiritual reality of what is our reality. Yes. We're going to be uh, taking a quick unpack of this, of what I'm going to call the spiritual order. Take out your scriptures and encourage you to write some notes. Uh, we're going to uh, very briefly reflect on who, uh, who God is. Hopefully that's enough that's been said about God you're familiar with. But, uh, there's not a whole lot of new information, but with just a simple text from the Hebrew scriptures, Isaiah 45 found on page 425. So please open your scriptures with me, Isaiah 45, page 425. I'd like everyone to please open their scriptures. We are going to be looking at a lot of text quickly. So I will give you the page numbers. I want you to see it for yourself. Isaiah 45. Page 425. I'm you two in the front of you. So Mr. X, you two. All three of you open up the text. So let's see Isaiah 45, page 425. And we're going to be uh, starting right at to the top. And this uh, first part going to uh, kind of shock you. Isaiah here is talking about Karsh, Cyrus, king of Persia. At least a good hundred years before he was born. Okay? Isaiah 45, verse 1. It says, "Thus says Adonai to His anointed Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before Him, to loose the belts of kings, who open doors before Him, so that gates may not be shut. I will go before You, and make crooked paths straight. I will shatter bronze doors and cut through iron bars. I will give You treasures of darkness and hidden ridges of secret so You may know that I am Adonai, the God of Israel." who calls you by your name for the sake of Jacob my servant and Israel my chosen one I have also called you by name and I have given you a title of honor though you have not known me I am Adonai there is no other besides me there is no God I will strengthen you though you have not known me that entire chapter is focused on the fact that God is God the God of Israel is God We talk about spiritual order. We need to understand that there is the created and the creator. God is the creator. All that exists comes from him. We are created by God. This whole reality created by God. God is the creator and sustainer of all that exists. Alright? And so as we begin, we need to understand that. That's why this passage is so Before Cyrus was born, God knew about him because he's a creator. He knows it all. And there are no other gods. There's no other creator being but God. (laughs) Only him. No other. Let's read the chapter if you want more back on that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is a text. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 4 through 6. Let's read this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 page 1093. We're going to read this together, 1,093,
0: verses 4 through 6. It? Therefore, concerning the ye of idol sacrifices, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, That there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, but indeed there are many gods and lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things we just for him.
1: And, and one, one word, Lord, of Christ, by whom all things, things and we do exist, were made. I have well, passages in our liturgy, and we read it from time to time. And that passage is amazing because what it basically says is that there is only one God. Yet yeah, it speaks about there are many gods and many lords. You know, and this is what the little hint was. You know there are all kinds of passages that talk about the fact that there are many gods. But we just talked about the fact that there is only one God. That there are a number of passages where it talks about many gods. Turn with me to Psalm 82, which is what one he mentioned. Psalm 82. Page 664. Psalm 82. Page 664. Psalm 82, page 664, and this is what it says, a psalm of Asaph, alright, so it's a, it's a psalm, written by a guy named Asaph, God takes a stand in the assembly of God. He judges among the gods. He's going to stop there. It's fascinating, especially when you look at the Hebrew. The speaks of Adal, the assembly of God. And God is judging the gods. Well, what in the world is this? This is something that uh, is often not really mentioned, but throughout the biblical text, there is this reality in the spiritual realm of other guys. Now, um, who are they? You know, it's, you know, there's not a whole lot of data. Let's let's turn to First Kings chapter twenty-two, though. First Kings of, uh, chapter twenty-two. Specifically, 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 16 through 23. This is page 349. Page 349. Here we get a glimpse, a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on in the council. 1 Kings chapter 22, beginning in verse 16. I'm sorry, yeah, verse 16, page 349. Here, this is, uh, you know, Ahab uh, is uh, wants to go to war, and he's asking for the prophet, uh, for some, for prophets, you know, to tell him whether or oh, not he should go out, which is totally a sham. But then the king of Judah comes up, and uh, Jehoshaphat wants to, a prophet of God, okay, the God of Israel. So uh, in uh, verse 16 it says, But the king said, How many times must I speak these to speaking nothing but the truth of the name of Adonai, then he, and this is the prophet uh, uh, Nicaea, then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills as a sheep without a shepherd. Then Adonai said, These have no master, I'll let each of them return home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he wouldn't prophesy good concerning the only evil? Nicaea then, then continued, Therefore hear the word of Adonai. I saw Adonai sitting on his throne, with all the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left who will entice Ahab to go up and fall on the remote building. One suggested this and another that until a certain spirit, Ruach, came forward and stood before Adonai and said, I will entice him. So Adonai asked him, how? And he said, I will go and be the same spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, that's God, you shall entice him, you shall prevail also, go and do so. Now therefore behold, and has put and spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and out an eye has decreed evil upon you. What a picture. Are there any places in the biblical text where we see in essence God on the throne and, and stuff going on? Yeah, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. You should all be very familiar with this portion too, because it's in our liturgy. Isaiah chapter 6, page 387. Isaiah chapter 6, page 387. This text is written uh, um, really as an encouragement to the people, because the people are under a lot of duress, a lot of stress with uh, invasion and uh, opposition. Chapter 6 of Isaiah, page 387, verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw my life sitting on a throne. High, I lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Several feet were standing above him. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. One called out to another and said, Holy, 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 is out of The whole earth is full of his glory. Then the posts of the door trembled at the voice of those who call and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Oye, to me, for I am wrong. for I am a man of unclean lips, and I am dwelling on a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king of <laughs> the of silver Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a glowing coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is atoned for What a picture. speaks of a physicality, but a spiritual physicality. Now, most people look at this and they assume the whole thing is is not to be taken literally. Except for the scene pops up again and again and again. I want to go to one more text. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, page 730. Job chapter 1... A seven hundred and thirty. Here we see again a scene. Beginning in verse six, seven hundred and thirty, Job chapter one. It says, "One day the sons of God, the bene Elohim, bene Elohim, came to present themselves before El, and Hasatan, the Satan." A saint, also came with them. I said to the Satan, Where do you come from? The Satan responded to Adonai and said, From Roman Europe and from walking on it. So what's going to with you? I've just been wandering around. That's literally what he's saying. I said to the Satan, Did you notice my servant Job? There's no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and spurns evil. Then the Satan responded to Adonai saying, Does Job fear God for nothing? What a positive positive nice fellow. Can you not be a hedge around him, household, and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything that he has, and he will certainly curse you to your face. And Adonai said to the Satan, Everything He has is in your hand, and you do not extend your hand against him. So the Satan departed from the presence of Adonai. Now, we're gonna there's a lot we're gonna talk about over the coming weeks, but here we have a very interesting section. You have, again, in essence a throne room. You have a, a council. And Satan, or the adversary, or Satan, time comes in to report. And in the process, God basically, because of his accusation, gives him freedom to uh, to do, to get involved in a negative way in the life of somebody who's a follower of God. You guys are going to the book of Job. In the in the study. So you've been going through this. What I'm pointing out simply today is that this is not just some mythological picture. This is not just some uh, allegorical thing that's right. This is real. This is real. We're going to see it over and over again. Just one i mention. Peter, Satan has requested to thresh you like wheat. think that's just a flippant statement, or is it really true that Satan has said, listen, see, Peter's done something wrong. I know he's going to do something wrong. If he does things that I know are inconsistent with your expectations, God, I get a piece of it. We have to really let the Scriptures teach us. And one thing we need to understand at this time is what the the Scriptures teach about what is this spiritual reality. We're going to talk about Satan just a little bit. <clears throat> who is Satan? In Jewish tradition, I saw some different videos and we read some different videos. In the Jewish tradition, he is the adversary. I mean, that's that's who he is. But this statement here, I think, is, is really a good starting point for who Satan is. He is a being, a spirit being, who opposes God and seeks to frustrate his plans. Alright? And he leads his people, God's people, into rebellion. He can do it and tries to mess up God's plans. This is the simplest, basic, most easy to understand definition of who is Satan. He is referred to in the text as devil Lucifer. This is not exhaustive, okay? Devil Lucifer, serpent angel we're roaring lion. We'll talk about it over the next coming weeks. But Satan means the adversary. Right, the devil is a Greek word translated basically: the adversary. Alright? We need to understand that the way he's presented within the text, he is against us. He is opposed to God. And if we're desiring to live our lives for God, if we are following God, he therefore is opposed to us. Last week we talked about the faith. Then he is opposed to Israel. He hates the Jewish people. Why is anti Semitism all over? Did you hear? Over in uh, Oak Park. Some high school kid was uh, airdropping uh, uh, swastikas at school. Why? Why is there anti Semitism? You know the most anti Semitic nation in the whole world, I like think, is Japan? It's never had any sizable Jewish community. Why? They're also deeply shinto and pagan in their, in their religious orientation. Every Jew they ever meet, they probably like. But Satan predisposes them to hate Jews because they don't know anything. It's satanic. Satan is opposed to God and His plans. He is the adversary. Do you understand him like that, or is he just some pointy-tailed dude that comes out at Halloween or in comics? It's definitely that. Definitely, he's an angel of light. He's a cherub. No? He is. He is a a, a high was well, a high official in God's counsel. Because there is some separation, some some hierarchy, which I'm not going to go into here. And he rebelled, thank you, Lord. I'm going to stay with that slide for a moment. I want you to look at some text. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. We're going back to that. Isaiah 14. Verses 12 through 15. We have two passages, I don't know if you will them go, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. In these passages, the author is writing against two different earthly kings. One is the king of Tyre, which is uh, Ezekiel 28, the other is the king of Babylon. In both, in both instances, you see a comparison. He's making a comparison between these two teams who are going to be judged because of their arrogancy. A comparison with Satan. That's exactly what's going on here in this passage. So on your own, read it, Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. So take a look at Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, page 395. Page 395. Alright? It says in verse 12: How you have fallen from heaven, O days are Son of the Dawn, how you are cut down to the earth, you who made the nations prosper. You said in your heart they'll ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of meeting in the uttermost parts of the north. I will ascend above the high places of the clouds. I will make myself like a eleventh. Yet you will be brought down to Sheol to the lowest parts of the pit. So here we have in this text, just very quickly, a short description of where Satan came from, which was a cherub in the council of God, and because of arrogance and pride. God taught us. He has become an opponent of God. Now one thing we will we, we'll talk about again as we go on, but you realize that people have created us with free will. We need to choose to follow God or not follow God. Adam and Eve were not perfect in the garden. I don't know what he did. When you think perfection, we die. God gave them freedom of will and choice. All right, There was no sin. They did not know sin because they always willingly followed God's decision. They had free choice. You know, the angelic beings, the spirit beings, they're also people of free will. Free will. And sometimes Satan chose to oppose God, he got arrogant. He got arrogant and therefore rebelled. I want to read one thing Yeshua says about him in the, uh, the book of John, chapter 18. This is a summational statement, frankly. I don't like talking about Satan too much because I don't think he deserves the press. I say all these things to warn you, which we'll talk about next week. John chapter 8, verse 44, page 1018. You guys got it? Page 1018. Page 1018, John 8, verse 44. Here Yeshua Messiah is speaking he's talking to our people he's talking to Jewish people who are opposing him read the whole chapter if you want but he says here in verse 44 you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father he was a murderer from the beginning and, he does, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him whatever he speaks lies he is just being himself for he is a liar and the father of lies this is who time is. Murder. Now, uh, one way of understanding that is because of his influence and his opposition to God, he leads to the, to the death of people. You know, did God intend for us to die as human beings? It doesn't seem to be the case. But because sin came into the world, death came into the world. Romans talks about that. Therefore, he's a father of death. Because he messed it all up in the garden. He deceived. Another form of lying. Adam and Eve. He is the father of lies and he is a murderer. That's what our Messiah Yeshua says about him. Now everything I said though doesn't make any difference at all. It doesn't matter at all. You don't believe in it. Now people always come up to me, not everybody. Then some people come up and say, You when i go going to hell and I do you believe in hell? No, no way (laughs) you can't. If you really don't believe in a spiritual world, it's your business. That's early. you don't care about anything you say. But if you say, yeah, 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 I believe in it, then I hope you're gonna be paying attention for the next couple of weeks. Because so the whole point of what we're talking about is the fact that this is real. And I believe we as a community, we have an impact by it in the last couple of years. Just like when we bought the joint, and we exorcised the demonic and, and uh, spiritual beings that were here, some of them crept back in. You know how some of them come in? With some of you. And even me. We're going to talk about that. As we go along. It's a great text. You don't even have to look this one up. It's on there, right? James 4 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're going to unpack that next week. If we allow sin in our hearts, God will not hear our prayers. If you allow sinfulness to be in your life, you attract sin. Satan and his minions. You gotta understand it. That's what the text talks about. We'll talk about it next week. Alright? I want to encourage you to keep in mind the following Do you accept that we live in a reality that is comprised of both physical and spiritual beings? Was it Saturday, Sunday night? Wait, no. Tuesday happens too often. This, this killing that took place in, in Thousand Oaks. This veteran, not military veteran, you know, went and killed all people. How did that happen? It said he was mentally ill or whatever. You know, don't you think that there's just a little bit too much of that goes in? Don't you think there's just maybe satanic influence, right? demonic influence? Think about it. The Spirit of God brings love and health and wholeness. What does Satan do? He just He's a murderer. He's a liar. We live in a world today where people don't believe in the supernatural unless it's like Halloween, the movie. <laughs> Hopefully in your life, you stay far away from anything to do with what is ungodly. You submit to God. You know the difference between what God wants and what everybody else wants. And you submit to God and follow Him. In doing that, you resist the devil. You resist all the supernatural forces of evil. You resist them. They flee from you. They don't want to do anything to do with you. That's what I encourage you to consider. That's what I encourage you to consider. But if you don't accept that this reality exists, you're setting yourself up for trouble. And the last statement here do you understand that in a spiritual warfare there can be no neutrality? Neutrality basically means capitalism, but I don't take all that seriously. I mean, I, mean, I think it. Anybody particularly mad at me that Halloween is, is an act of neutrality. What am I going to do with it? You know, watching war films? It's an act of neutrality. It's nothing, nothing God-honoring about seeing some psychopath chop people up into little pieces. How's that God-honoring? We have to think differently. The world in which we live is getting more and more messed up. And you know what? It's a month It's a spiritual war going on. Are you on God's side? Because if you're not on God's side, there actually is no neutrality. You're actually on the Lord's side. Keep that in mind. Questions? Talk to me afterwards. Let's close with a word of prayer as we conclude with a couple of songs. Very fitting. The one we talked about this morning. God, thank you for the fact that you are God. That there is no one. You've created all things. You've given all your creation the freedom to choose. I recognize that not all your creation chooses to follow you. We ourselves do. This morning, God, I know I want to follow you with all my heart, and soul. I don't want to turn to the right or the left. I want to stay okay. on your God, help us all to have that commitment for you. Help us all to be committed to you above and beyond all. That we might indeed resist the devil, so that he please from us. And God, I pray that this morning that in this community, in this facility, in this work, that you are honored, that all who oppose you are gone, banished, not to interfere, not to influence. We thank you for your kingship over our lives and over this place. We proclaim it this morning in Yeshua's name.